Hey everyone, welcome to the Redeem Church Podcast. Redeem is a community of faith who are passionate about impacting the greater Tacoma area and the world. To get plugged in at Redeem, visit redeem.church. Now here's our latest talk. Um, I want to get into this because if you haven't heard uh, about uh, COVID-19 or the coronavirus, if you haven't heard it, welcome to planet Earth. Uh, This is a serious situation. Uh, This is definitely something that's affecting our community and it's testing a lot of people and it's testing our systems. It's an interesting thing because this virus that is testing society, it's touching our financial markets. It's testing our business community, our medical field. It's testing the health department, the scientific community as people are rushing to try and find some type of way to stop it. It's testing our education system, as we've seen, you know, six weeks of school now, I believe, just in the state or at least in our area, they're shutting down schools. And it's even testing religion. So what does a test do? What is a test uh, meant to accomplish? Really a test, it reveals a person, a system, or a thing's readiness. It tests our integrity. It tests the resilience or the, or, or, or the uh, strength of a thing. And whether it's a person, whether it's a system or a thing, testing is really more about revealing than making or breaking. It's said that pressure doesn't make or break us as much as it reveals us. And I know that many people are going through this around the world. And so how does the the church posture its heart during this time? How would Jesus call believers to posture their attitudes, to posture their faith during a time like this? When I was thinking about this idea of of testing and seeing what comes out of you when pressure hits, I was thinking about a video that I watched some time years ago. I was probably 20, 21, 22 years old. And I watched this fascinating video on how they test cars before they're released to sell in public. And one of the things that they do is uh, like they'll test every part of it. They'll take the seat. I remember watching this deal where uh, they took the driver's seat and the passenger seat, and they had a machine, and what they would do is they would take this machine that simulated a a passenger sitting down, standing up, sitting down, standing up, and and they were seeing how many times it would take to put around 200 pounds of pressure on the seat before it broke down. You know, would it be 20,000, 50,000 reps before the seat fell apart? You know, I thought to myself like, can you imagine being the person that had to do that job before the machine was created? you know, sitting, sitting down and standing up 20,000 reps, you'd have the most rocked out thighs in the area. You know, somebody walking up to you like, excuse me, sir, did you, did you shoot uh, steroids directly into your legs? Uh, no, I just work as a tester down at the Chevy plant. So uh, I, I remember watching this and I thought to myself like, wow, this is interesting. They're going through all this uh, before they sell a car. And then the thing that really caught me was they took this BMW, several of them, and they were running it into a wall, you've seen it, and uh, they would go full speed or 40 miles an hour and they would just blow this car up. And they were testing the crumple zone, they were testing the cage that protects the passengers. And, uh, and then they did another test where they were simply testing the seat belts, ruining an entire BMW just to check the seat belts. I, you know, I feel bad for the test dummies in this situation, I know they're not real, but at some point, even mannequins would get fed up after that many times through a, you know, a crash, 
be like, man, I'm out. I'm going down to the men's warehouse. My next gig is to model suits in some store lobby. But I was, I was like, man, they're going to they're gonna spend all this money on testing a seatbelt. I felt like riding BMW as some like poor kid that just wanted a hookup for Christmas. I literally thought it was a waste of money until I realized that testing, it actually reveals the value of a thing. And the integrity of its build was revealed through how it was tested. In fact, you'll see that these car companies, what they'll do is after so many times of taking something through a test, it's going to reveal where it needs to be redesigned. It's gonna re reveal where it needs to be reinforced. Or in a lot of cases, you see it on commercials, where it can be raved about. This is where you'll see you know, Mercedes or one of these car companies, they'll say, hey, we have the highest test, test crash um, rating in, in all of the automotive field. Or you'll see the best performance or the best reliability. So what's the point? Some of you feel like I just took you on a tour through the Ford, uh, you know, Ford company, I don't know. Here's the point of what I'm saying is that James 1, 2 through 4 says this, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That word trials is testing. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You know what I find fascinating here? And this is where it ties into the day and the hour that we're living in. For 2,000 years, the world has gone through tests. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, there have been so many things that have hit humanity and tested humanity to the nth degree. From famine to war, natural disasters, pandemics, financial crisis. We've gone through all kinds of uh, crisis of many kinds. And you know what? Out of all of those things that have hit humanity, there's been one thing that has been more resilient than anything else. And it's been the church of Jesus Christ. Through famine and disaster, through persecution, through oppression, through, through all the things that have faced humanity, the church has prevailed. In fact, I would make the case, and the Bible makes the case, in fact, history makes the case, that when the hour is the darkest, when fear is the highest, when anxiety and humanity is at its worst, when crisis hits in its most impactful way, this is when the church should be at its best. And this is when the church should be most radiant. Why, and why has the church been so resilient? Here's why. Jesus Christ is committed to his bride. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are considered the bride of Christ. We're a body, which means that we are connected to him. Jesus is the head. We're a building, which means that he lives in us. Uh, you know, we, we might meet in a church building. We're getting the opportunity right now to meet in homes. And uh, some of you will meet in coffee shops. You know, some of you, the, the church is anybody who gets together in the name of Jesus. It could be four people packed into a smart car in a parking lot, having a Bible study. That's the church. We are the building. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we're a body, we're a building, but we're also his bride. And, and Jesus Christ, the groom, is committed to see his bride through the trials and the fiery tests that hit humanity. And he wants to show off his power and his love 
when people see the heart posture of faith and love that we demonstrate when things get rough. I love this, this scripture, Matthew 16, 18. It says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Look at the boldness that Jesus speaks of in regard to you and I who call him Lord. Look at the, look at the boldness and the confidence that Jesus has that the very gates of hell itself will not be able to overcome a church that is in love with him and following him, regardless of how we have to shift, how we have to maneuver, regardless of how nimble we have to be when crisis hits and we gotta make tough calls. The church thrives and it survives because Jesus Christ is the one building it. And so we have a confident hope in that. I love this other passage, John 16, 33, it says, I, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. One version says, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now watch this, and I'm gonna close in just a little bit. The church will prevail, and the church has prevailed. Why? Because we have the overcoming power of the Lord Jesus Christ himself living inside of us and leading us through every valley that humanity faces. Throughout history, um, wave after wave of persecution and trouble has come. And the attempt was what? From Rome to uh, many empires that tried to crush these, these ragtag group of believers, wave after wave to try and kill or quarantine the Christ. We're, we're in quarantine right now, right? So you can't meet in groups of this size. Um, they're talking about shutting down businesses possibly for a couple weeks. Why? Because they're trying to quarantine, meaning keep people from being around one another so this thing doesn't spread. And in the same way, the enemy through empires, through governments, through persecution has tried to quarantine the Christ to crush the church, but it's never been successful. Why? Because the church is the most resilient organism, the most resilient and integrous movement that has ever existed because Jesus Christ is committed to see that his name is lifted up so that all men will be drawn unto him regardless of whether we're in good times or difficult times. Let me read this last passage. If you have your Bibles, um, you can look at 1 Corinthians 13, 13. I love this because we look and we, we asked, you know, what, how, did it, how did a group of believers a couple thousand years ago, when everything was stacked against them and, and Rome didn't want them to spread, in fact, they were considered at one time an illegal and despised religion. They were not given a public voice. Okay, so how are you gonna build your movement when you didn't have the Facebook of the day available to you? If there was an Instagram back then, they could not have participated because that's the law and those Christians were so despised, their message was not wanted that they wouldn't have given, they wouldn't have been given a Twitter handle. They couldn't participate in the same means of communication. They weren't given public spaces. You know, church buildings didn't come around for a while after Pentecost. And so here they are, they're meeting in homes and there were no celebrities among them. Think about this, after Paul died, you can't really think of too many big name, powerful name people that were driving the movement. 
They were all forgotten, everyday, average people who met in homes, who trusted God with a simple but powerful faith. Now check this out. The reason that it was so powerful is because even though empires tried to squash and quarantine the message, it was the neighbors in the communities that these believers lived and they got to watch these Jesus followers on a daily basis. They saw their attitude, they saw their heart, they saw their service, they saw their care for the poor, they saw their resilience under persecution. And the thing that happened was when the test came, Jesus people stood out because they did not handle and they did not respond to the pressures the same way the world did. And in those times, the reason I say Jesus people should shine the brightest, because it was in those times that uh, it was the faith, the hope, and the love that was revealed in them when everybody else was, was faithless, was hopeless, and was selfish. The believers stood and pointed people to Jesus, and it became so attractive that they turned the world upside down, jumped oceans, and here we are today, thousands of miles away from the epicenter of where this thing all started, and the gospel is still going forward. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, if you're there, it says this, for there are, there are these three things that have endured, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Let me close with this. Faith is confidence, right? It doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter what kind of news we get. No, we still count the cost. Uh, we still feel it. We still have to make adjustments. We don't act foolishly, right? But what we do, what we do say is we say, you know what? If God is on the throne and we believe that he is, he's got it taken care of. If Jesus Christ is with me, then who can be against me? It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're, they're about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And here's this leader and he says, bow your knee or you're gonna burn. And they said, our God will rescue us from the fire. But even if he doesn't, we won't bow our knee. You know, I don't know why some people get healed and other people don't. We're praying that God would protect everybody. We're praying for our congregation that nobody would be touched by this virus or if they did, they'd be healed. But you know what? We don't know why things happen the way we do, but we know that God is in control regardless. They had faith, but they also had hope. Hope is a passionate expectation that God is going to work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that Jesus will make all things new, whether it's in this life or the life to come. Those who have faith in Jesus have a hope that is so much stronger than the pressures coming against us from the outside. And we also have love. And this kind of love isn't selfish. This kind of love is found in a believer when tested because it, it manifests itself in a benevolence, in a charity, and in a selflessness toward others. So when the, when the world re- responds to crisis, we are in the midst of the same thing. But may Jesus Christ settle our hearts May he keep us in perfect peace and may he allow us to demonstrate who he is so that others can see it and be drawn to the Jesus, to the Savior that can save their soul. I'm gonna close with this paragraph that I read from a recent article and then I'm gonna pray. This is taken out of the pages of history and this was in the mid-300s when the church was in a state of uh, being despised and uh, being ridiculed and oppressed. 
they were under an emperor named Julian. And it says, when Emperor Julian, also known as the apostate, wanted to revive pagan religion in the mid-300s, he gave a most helpful insight into how the church spread. Now remember, he wasn't a believer. He was against the church, but this is what he said. He said, this it says, this opponent of the faith said that Christianity has been especially advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care of the burial of the dead. It is a scandal that there is not a single Jew who is a beggar and that the Christians care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well, while those who belong to us look in vain for the help we should render them. Think about this. We're all in this. We're praying that God would see us through. But be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. And if he lives in you, then you have overcoming power. I want to close by praying and I want to give you an opportunity when you're done watching this. Um, why don't you take some time and pray? I know some of you right now are feeling very anxious. Some of you are facing financial repercussions because of something you didn't ask for. You've been on your grind. You've been working hard. You've been tithing faithfully and supporting the church or you've been generous to people and your business has taken a hit. Let me tell you without hype, you're going to be okay. God is our provider and he's going to work it out, but we have to turn to him and trust in him. Why don't I pray? Why don't you agree with me? Father, we just come to you now. And God, we rest in the fact that you have a love that cannot be measured. The love that we have from you is seen in the symbol of a God who is willing to come down and die in, in our place for our sins so that we could be brought back into relationship with him. God, we thank you that if you would go that far to give your own life to save us from sin, we know that you can handle anything. And so right now, I pray for every person under anxiety, under fear, under worry, and under the torment of maybe some chaos that's coming against them in many ways. I pray that the weight be lifted, the anxiety go, and that Holy Spirit, you would bring peace into each situation. We thank you that we are your bride and we are resilient. In Jesus' name, amen. And for the person, as I close, that doesn't know Jesus, I want you to take the time to consider um, that you have a God who desperately wants a relationship with you. And the Bible says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you want to get in contact with us, go to redeem.church. Even if you're not a part of our church, you're not a member of our church, we want to get to know who you are. Maybe you're looking for a friend, you're looking for a new community, you're looking for hope redeem.church. Give us your info and we'll have somebody follow up with you. Hey, I love you. I hope you enjoyed the message. And remember, turn your eyes to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Have a great day. I love you.